Hello, dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Slava Jesus Christ. Slava Noviki. Were you trying to throw me off with that? No, I was just trying to do something different. Oh, good job. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. That's, that's, for our listeners, that is the Slavonic, Church Slavonic, which is not like Latin for our church. People say that I'm, oh, is that, is that like Latin? Like, like, the, like the common language? No, it's, it was a an kind of liturgical language for, for Slavs. Um, I don't, was it ever the vernacular? Scholars, please tell me. Was Church Slavonic ever what people spoke? I don't think it was. I think it was a, a kind of foundational ancient Slav language that they kind of brought in to use liturgically. Because there's something, speaking of mystery, <laughs> I'm glad you asked, um, <laughs> that there, there's, something, <laughs> that there, there, there's something beautiful at the mystery in our liturgy and the fact that mystery is there because mystery is, of course, a hiddenness and a revealing. And sometimes language can do that, but that has not been our Byzantine tradition. And yet I do think a little bit of Slavonic here and there, like we just started with, can add a touch of mystery as long as you know what you're saying and how you're speaking. We've talked about that on one of the podcasts. Oh, I know. I remember everything, but I was just, <laughs> I was bringing it up as kind of a, a refresher. <laughs> on one of the, if you will. Whatever, one, of the church, one of the ones about the church being relevant, um, I don't remember what you actually called them, but one of those episodes we talked about the helpfulness of our liturgy being in the vernacular, but how it also adds to the beauty and the mystery when we sometimes do um, Slavonic. I was saying that it's helpful. So exactly what I just right, said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you still think the same thing you did? Oh my yeah, gosh! Can you imagine me as a ninety-year-old? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember nothing, nothing. <laughs> it's gonna be utter. We talk about this every time because it's like, but I, I'm starting to be like, like utterly humiliated by the way my brain works. I, I really am. Like, it's. I love people and that'll make me a good priest for the rest of my life, but man, alive, my brain. It's not, I'm, I'm honestly, I tease you a lot for it um, because I know that teasing is both of our love language, but, oh. the, but I actually have a really bad memory as well. I was telling, I was telling um, my friend Natalia, who's sitting here with me actually listening in on this. Uh, audience of one. Yes. Second time we've had an audience of one. Oh, well, third if you count Angelo, but... Um, anyways, I was talking to her about this because I was trying to remember whether or not you and I had talked about something on the podcast before and I, I couldn't remember and I'm having a hard time because I recorded the interview with Matt Frad. He interviewed me for Pints with Aquinas and name drop. No, it wasn't a name drop. (laughs) Father Michael (laughs) Lachlan is a big enough name drop. Um, (laughs) The but I recorded the interview with him like the same week or within even a few days I think of us recording the first podcast and so I'm I've completely conflated the two and I don't remember what I've said where yeah I think I think they were both similar because I was that's what I was going for at least when I was asking you the questions mm-hmm. um, so um, by the way speaking of of name drop um, I want to I want to do a, a couple. Real quick shout outs uh, to Lisa Marie Hunt, who is a consecrated virgin in the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and also Anne-Marie Grumbine, who was my first friend at Thomas Aquinas College. We met each other at the airport, and I've, I've given a shout out to her before. Um, both of them now have said that they want to be Sister Natalia's best friend what? after listening to the podcast. <laughs> That's the and it's so funny. Both of them were like, "Oh, could you please introduce me to her one day? She seems absolutely amazing." I was like, "Oh, she is. Oh, oh she is." That's really sweet. So, anyway, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that have said the same thing after listening, but but those two have like explicitly told Aww. me two of my friends, like, "Oh my gosh, please That's let me really meet her nice. one day." Guys, I need affirmation. Thanks for that, <laughs> ladies, not guys. Um, they, they, I like I like though what your your <laughs> what your friend said about me. I don't remember who it was, but um, about like she was so sweet coming out the gate, <laughs> and then <laughs> um, I oh, I forget who that was too. Oh, she sounds so sweet. And then all of a sudden, she just and actually, that's one one thing that Anne Marie said was that uh, she really likes the way that you uh, 
the way that you tease, like that oh, love language, the good. way that you uh, you try to try to get me riled up. Um, because I don't think enough. I think a lot of people want to kind of give jabs on to priests, but don't really know if they can or not. Mm. And you have absolutely no issue <laughs> doing that whatsoever. <laughs> Um, yeah, and just a general announcement that I do love Father Michael very much and all of that. I should probably say that every once in a while since I'm so mean to you. <laughs> just a reminder. My spiritual director used to do that. Whenever I'd, I looked shocked because he said something that was like kind of real and uh, a bit hurtful. And then he, I think he could see the look on my face. He's like, you know, I love you, right? I was like, uh, yes, oh, of course, of course, yeah, but, but man. <laughs> and then, of course, I very much appreciate it later on. Aww. All right. Um, so, sister remembers the topic from last time, and <laughs> do you have anything to reflect upon after the topic last time? Because I just remembered it when I asked you beforehand. And yeah, I might come up with something, but I don't. That need to often force it, happens. So just calling Father Michael out publicly, where right before we start recording, he's like, "What was our last podcast on?" Um, so I don't know why I'm, I'm flipping through the book that you asked me to bring. That's not helpful right now. Oh. Um, yeah, so I had two comments about so our last our last episode was about being versus doing and not trying to earn God's love, but rather receiving love and not feeling like we have to to do things in order to earn it. Um, and other people's love, but but particularly God's love. And you had mentioned something we were kind of rushed at the end because I had to go to Vespers, but you had mentioned something at the end of but you do still want to give something in your relationships because you want to give uh, of yourself, I think is what you, or you want to give yourself to them in some way. And I wanted to bring that point back up because I thought it was a good point and a beautiful point. But I think that the, the, the emphasis there needs to be that you're giving who you are as opposed to what you do. So it's still, even though it's a giving, it still is a giving of that comes from being and not from doing. And and even that though, we use the phrase giving of ourselves and and I understand the reason for that, but I think if we want to be more precise in our language, we shouldn't even be giving ourselves, we should be giving the Lord um, through who we are. Because when we're, when we're, the only thing that we are apart from him, the only thing that we have that is not his is our sin. And so the, what we're actually giving is him working through us. Um, but, but yeah, both of those come out of a being and out of a relationship, not out of a doing. I have a quick example okay. of what I think you're talking Great. about. So I was, I was going to ask you, um, like, what does that look like practically? Like, do you have any examples to say, here's where I did something that was actually not just giving stuff or my stuff, but I was actually giving myself and then it, therefore it became a giving of Christ. And and so when I, when I worked, I was 16 years old. That's just my disclaimer for the idiocy of this story. Um, I was 16 years old and um, I remember my brother, actually I must've turned like 17. So I turned 17, I've been working at Chuck E. Cheese since I was 16. And this is, this is like a Chuck E. Cheese story. So I was working at Chuck E. Cheese. My brother started working there when he turned 16. So I must've been 17 and a half. And then- <laughs> Your age keeps going up. I, the idiocy is getting well, less no, and well, less. Yeah, because <laughs> my, brother's, my brother's born in November of 79. I'm born in February of 78. So it's, it's anyway, when he turned 16, <laughs> he got a job where I worked. Um, however old we were. And so I remember- when like I, I was working in the game room, which is my favorite thing to do, he was working like in the food section. So when we were both closing and we were the only two closing the whole restaurant, so at least the front of the house. So I went and like walked through his section to make sure every cheese shaker and every mm-hmm. pepper shaker was clean and set up. I walked through to make sure there was nothing on the floor. All the chairs were pull, pushed in. And I walked through and I remember thinking, why don't I do this with everybody? Like, in other words, I, I love him, obviously, and I, I don't want him to get in trouble. So I'm walking through, and I think it was a very, I was doing it because I truly loved him, and I was willing to put the sacrifice and stay later and things like that. And then I thought, have I ever done this before? And I thought I, I had, but I had always done it in an obvious way. Like, when I did it for him, I, he didn't even know I was mm-hmm. doing it. Like, he was in the back rinsing out the mop or whatever, and I was just walking through the section. I, I've done, I'd done it before if for, for a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. 
but like I made sure that she knew I was there. Like she saw me walking around and, you know, helping her out. And that was obviously very selfish. So just the act of helping someone put stuff away or clean up or make sure everything's done well can be selfish. You know, again, it's not, not, it's not evil. It's not sinful what I did for the girls, but it, it's, it's still like selfish and is tinged with I'm helping you, but it, it's, it's purely because I, you know, I want your attention. Whereas with my brother, it was a, a deeper, pure, and it was the same action. So that's what I'm thinking of is because I, I think we can get carried away and say, so should I stop doing things mm-hmm. for people? And it's like, no, but you can actually turn those doing things for people into a gift of self and therefore into a gift of, of Christ. Yeah, I think it, it goes back to how part of, part of how I introduced that topic last time was talking about Psalm 50 and us using incense in church and that it's not the incense in and of itself that is the love, but, but the intention behind the incensing and um, the disposition of the heart. And, and then we talked about how, of course, we should still incense and we should, so it's not, we should still be, be doing the things um, but the, the love, I don't know how to articulate this well, but, but the love is not in the doing in and of itself. The doing is the expression of the love or the manifestation of it. Um, but that's not it's sort of like the whole faith yeah. and works thing. Um, yeah. like the works should be a fruit it's of a our symbol. Faith. It's like sacramental. It's a symbol that manifests the deeper reality mm-hmm. because we need, like what, what, what do you, when you give your spouse flowers or chocolates or whatever girls give to guys, I don't know. But like when, when, you, when you give these things to, to, your, to your wife, like you're, you're, again, who cares about flowers and chocolates? They're, they die and they, they get eaten. They're gone. But there, there, there's something about the, the, that outward sign that reveals the inner disposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do girls give to guys? What do wives give to husbands? I don't even know. Do I do I look like I have a husband besides Jesus? No offense, Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. You give him incense and a sacrifice of praise. That's, and- <laughs> um, that's what you. That's what a wife gives to her husband. Actually, there's probably something really beautiful there that we could delve into. But that's gonna that has to be another topic. The other thing I was going to say, though, speaking of incense, is that I remember a class that I was taking one time that it's amazing program. Magdala Apostolate, shout out to the Magdala Apostolate. Um, if everyone should look them up, they have free courses and things like that. But also if you happen to have extra money, you should give it to them. Shameless plug. So they are, the Magdala Apostolate is, they have free um, seminary level education for women religious. So that, because because we also as nuns are on the forefront of <laughs> um, all of the battles that occur in the church, but we don't have the same, typically, we don't have the same education that priests have in the seminary. So the Magdala Apostolate offers free education for women religious. So in, why are you smirking? So I'm thinking of all kinds of horrible jokes right now. <laughs> I'm not going to say any of them. <laughs> I'm really proud of you for not, because I know exactly I, what's I going need, through I your need, mind. I need a virtual high five. High five. All right. Yay, um, filter. As far, like, <laughs> I might have just actually been palming you in the face, but um, it's like a face palm on someone else. That's weird. Also, also known as a slap. <laughs> okay, so exactly. in, in one of those classes in the Magdala Apostolate, one of the scripture classes, the professor was talking about in the Old Testament, the offering of incense and and how he's asking the question of, do we offer incense in order to change God's heart or to change God's mind? And his answer was, God is immutable. He doesn't change. Speaking of hashtag what God is not, um, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't change. And so the incense that we're offering is not to change God's heart, it's to change our heart. Um, and I thought that was very beautiful the way he put that. So I just wanted to, I think that goes along the same lines of, of that. So. Oh, there's so many topics here. I know, but we're like, going gonna... you know, you, you know to... You know where my brain went? I'll just say That's it and then we'll leave place. it another time. I don't want to know where your brain goes. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just thought that might be, if, if that concept can be, because I, I think that's an objective thing. In other words, there's something about incense because it's not, I mean, incense is used by almost every culture, not only Christians. Mm-hmm. So there's something about incense that is so 
uh, viscerally and and deeply human for the, the, the senses of it, so the smell of it and the vision of it rising to heaven that is so kind of objectively revealing of the reality of prayer and sacrifice to God. Um, but I wonder if, if, if you're looking for an excuse to change liturgy, and I won't name any names, um, but if you're looking for an excuse to change liturgy, you could say, if incense is only for us, if we already know it, if we if we understand that, then can't we jettison incense? Mm. Can't we jettison iconography? Can't we jettison icon screens? Can't we jettison you know all this stuff? Once once we've kind of gotten to the point in our in our human evolution where we don't need those things anymore because they're not about God anyway; they're about us. Um, anyway, that, I'm I'm trying to be the devil's advocate here, sure. and but I I I I answer my own question or my own complaint in the beginning by saying it's objectively. Like every generation needs can can use these things. So anyway, we don't need to go into that. We can move on. But that's where my brain went. All right. Argue against the arguers. Um, and you need to say something or I'm going to keep on talking. Yeah, please just move on to your topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was all you had to say? I thought you had a second thing. No, the first thing was the um, giving who you are, not what you do. And the second thing was um, the incense. Okay. All right, so... Um, somebody said to me yesterday, uh, a wait. Can I, I give a shout out since you did? <laughs> of course. Um, I'm drinking right now a hobo latte. That's probably offensive to say, but I just said it. We'll edit that out. No, we won't. Um, with <laughs> coffee that I mixed with milk from a family who brings us milk from their cow. And I don't actually know if they would want to be shouted out by name, so I'm just going to say shout out to them because I know that some of them listen. So, are you sure it's not Thank illegal in the, the state of Ohio? To That's have the real reason I didn't say milk. the name. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's illegal to maybe sell it, but not to just like oh, give it or drink it. or drink it as. That's just weird. It's so delicious. It'd be a weird lot to say you can't drink something. I mean, I guess they say that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually you a drink thing. marijuana. That's how you take marijuana, right? I don't know. I'm ignorant. Um, okay, I'm drinking. Why do you drink? LaCroix. Why do you drink Lacroix while we're podcasting? You always have to burp. Is that's like that's what makes this podcast fun? <laughs> the, the belching priest. All right. All right. Your topic. All right. On to the topic. So this uh, somebody told me yesterday. I think they've been to one business leader, at least one with me. And the, and I was saying, I was saying that kind of what I've shared here. I'm just going to keep on talking so you can finish laughing. <laughs> I'm good. Okay, we're good. You going to share with the class? Um, I was, I was, I was thinking <laughs> of a YouTube video that we showed you while you were here. That's not about a belching priest, but um. Oh <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Please continue. Similarly gassy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So and and. Uh, she was saying that what she loves about, and this this kind of rocked my world. She, she was saying what she loves about the Byzantine liturgy is that so much of it is skimming across the surface and then you can always go deeper if you want. Mm. And that kind of alleviated one of my frustrations that I've been dealing with for a long time. And just saying in our Byzantine liturgy, as opposed to kind of a, a Western, very structural, you know, there's there's periods in the Western church of silence, um, actually, uh, shout out to Cowboy, uh, Chris Cowboy. He, uh, he said, he, he said that we, uh, he wanted me to stop using the term Roman Catholic, but rather use Latin Catholic. Anyway, he explained the whole thing and I won't go into the detail. I was, I'm, I'm trying to say Latin Catholic instead of Roman Catholic because there's this whole thing there. Um, so, but in, so, so in, in the Latin tradition, uh, yeah, but Elsie's Legionnaires of Christ. Oh, so I don't know weird. what else. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it matters. There's just it, it's the, the minutia of, of language. Um, but um, so in, in the Latin tradition, you have you have like it's very structured, and there's periods of silence in the liturgy. So you hear, you might hear like the responsorial psalm, and then say there's a period of silence. There's not. But I mean, I'm like there's there's silence built into the mass, and there's kind of you hear one piece of scripture or one church composed hymn and then you can kind of reflect on that one thing and the whole congregation let's say reflects upon that one thing and that's kind of the point um, in the Byzantine liturgy there's just so much there's so many words all the words and they're, they're, they're consistent there's no silence it just goes and goes and goes and goes and and I say you know there's no time to meditate upon 
what just happened because you're on to the next thing. And that goes for a whole hour. Um, but then I, I think what she said was brilliant because she said, you, you're kind of skimming across the surface, but if you want to go deeper, you can. Mm-hmm. And it's not expected that the whole congregation is meditating or contemplating every single part of the liturgy or every single prayer at the same time. So the liturgy, the liturgy marches on, right? It's it's a flowing river that we jump into, and the grace of Christ is flowing, and and the presence of God is there. But but there's nothing wrong with saying, because I think people that attend or scrupulosity could do this. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying the Holy Spirit at that moment of the liturgy put that phrase on my heart and I went deeper with it, but I, that means I also missed the next thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't you know, engaging with the next part of the liturgy. And I can understand that'd be frustrating to many kind of, of, of our Western minds and our Western culture. Um, but I, that actually gave me a lot of rest. The, just the way she described it. Skipping across the surface is what the liturgy is. We're kind of hovering, but if we want to go deeper into one aspect and one meditation, the spirit puts something on our hearts, it's okay to do that if you're gonna miss part of the rest of it. I mean, there's a venerable tradition of having a cigarette outside the front doors of the Byzantine church. Stop it. Just w- when you need it. Stop, that's a joke. <laughs> it's not everyone. a venerable that's tradition. That's a joke. Oh, it's, it's, it is, it used to be very common. I've seen it in Ukraine. Where, where the guy just walk okay. out and have a cigarette. It's, that doesn't it's make a it a venerable tradition. Sister, you are so Latinized, sister. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't go have a cigarette I, outside the church. I, I am not condoning having a cigarette during the liturgy, but but it's it, it, it would make more sense, and I'll say this, it would make more sense during a Byzantine liturgy where you don't need to meditate on every word being said than it would in a, in a Latin liturgy where you really should be meditating Can on every word. Can you please be clear with people that you're not condoning this? Because it's actually I am actually not condoning scandalous. this. Okay. I, I am not condoning this, but it does happen <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and okay, um, so the... Um, I did have I did have someone say to me... Sister, I did have... You just... Sorry. <laughs> someone say to me one time... I forgot where I was. About... <laughs> That's because you were talking about cigarettes. Maybe Jesus didn't want you to take that path. That's my topic. Perla. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perla, exactly. Um, maybe, yeah, someone was talking to me one time about how, you know, they were trying to say like, well, I think it's really great that I, I, don't, I don't see any Byzantines leaving, leaving the liturgy early and you see that happen all the time in the Latin right. And I was like, yeah, but we often come in 40 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> so let's remember that too. We all have our problems. It is, it is funny when, when people that come from the Latin tradition and they come to my parish and they go, oh, Father, is it the same thing where I have to be there for the gospel? Like, you know, and <laughs> or some people will say, somebody yesterday said, what is your Byzantine tradition on fasting before Eucharist? And I said, well, the tradition is from when you wake up to when you go to liturgy. But I said, our bishops now only mandate an hour before receiving, which means as long as you're not walking in, eating something yeah, into the liturgy, if you arrive on time. Um, but yeah, you're right. People arrive late and, and we need to be careful with that. Um, um, but that we don't have that rule. We right. don't. I mean, in the Byzantine liturgy, it's, we don't have the same rule about you need to be there by the gospel, even though that makes all the sense in the world sure. um, that you should be, of course. So anyway, uh, we're just not, we don't focus on those those legal things, but sometimes to our detriment. Um, all right. So I thought I did this once on the Catholic Stuff podcast. I want to do it with you now. Um, no. Just to take, this is to so take a prayer. Okay. Just to, no, no, this is, this is the easiest okay. thing ever. I mean, I, I don't want to get scholarly here. Um, mostly because I, I'm not prepared for that. Um, but I also don't want to put it on you and embarrass you um, and embarrass myself um, in any way whatsoever. So, um, but I thought if we, if we took a prayer from the liturgy, a prayer or two, and just gave our, did a pious reflection on that prayer. In other words, if the Holy Spirit put this prayer during the divine liturgy mm-hmm. into our minds, you and I, sister, um, and I think you know, if the Holy Spirit's here, then we can kind of process this prayer as if this is where we went deep. We're skipping across the surface of the liturgy and then all of a sudden we decided to go deep on this prayer. Does that make sense? It does. If, if the Holy Spirit's want- here. Maybe we should do this prayer with the heavenly king, which says that the Holy Spirit is everywhere present. Um, and filling all things. Yeah. Um, can I say- <laughs> Treasury of blessings and giver of life. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, can I say a couple quick things before we do that? Okay. Yes. One is that I heard the analogy one time that I really liked a lot, similar to to what this woman was saying about the liturgy, saying that the in the Byzantine liturgy, meaning all liturgy, not just divine liturgy, but the liturgy of the hours, Vespers, Matins, all that, um, that 
it's like you're getting water from a fire hydrant and every once in a while you just catch some drops here or there and you you can't get it all but that you're just uh, picking up what you what you need and i like that a lot and then the other thing was have you ever read mountain of silence by Kyriakis, last name i will totally butcher if i try to say marquides maybe I'm really uh, sorry no i have his other one gifts of the desert mm. i'm looking i'm looking at my yeah, I have a gift to the desert, so, but I don't have that. In Mountain of Silence, it is down there. I I might be able to find where it is in there. I don't know. Um, but I'll, I'll just paraphrase because the book's there, but I don't know exactly where it is in the book. But the the book is about this, this man named Kyriakos, the author, is visiting with a monk who is from Mount Athos. He's now in... Um, somewhere else. Um, but I feel like you were going to say Cyprus. He was in Cyprus. Thank you. Was that it? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I just totally read your mind. I just made that up. <laughs> I, that I thought you so knew awesome. when you were trying to now charitably like, give me the totally answer. Disappointed. No. Actually, I no. Just, I think it's actually Cyprus. <laughs> I think it's actually Cyprus. If you look it up in a Cyprus, that would be hilarious because I totally like just thought I read your mind and then you, you, you shot me down. I was like, damn. No, I think it is. So, that would be hilarious. Or at least somewhere around there. So anyways, the Kyriakos is, is talking with this, this priest and getting some of his Athenite wisdom. And he asked him, in a part that I read recently, he said, Father Maximus, I see, I see monks and, and lay people sometimes going to the prayer in the chapel with their kombuskini, I don't know if that's how you say it, the, the Greek word for the chotki. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, is that, are they, are they praying the Jesus prayer during the liturgy? Is that okay? Because shouldn't they be paying attention to the words in the liturgy? And Father Maximus says, I, I think that there are nuances to this that could be made, but for the sake of time, maybe we won't. But he says, the, the point of the liturgy is to turn the attention to God. And whether you're doing that through the, the words that you're hearing at that present moment in the liturgy, or whether it's through the Jesus prayer that you're praying through the Kombuskini, again, I don't know if that's the right word. The, the goal is the same of turning your attention to God. And so then Kyriakos says something like, so basically, however, we are best able to do that in the midst of the liturgy and in the midst of prayer. And Father Maximus basically says yes. Again, I think there are nuances because I don't think people should be arguing that, um, well, the way I best turn my attention to God is having a cigarette on the front porch. But um. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do think also that the Jesus prayer itself mm-hmm. is, is, is uh, can be a background prayer. In other words, you're, you're praying it all the time. Absolutely. And I think the monks of Mount Athos would say this. So it doesn't, like, I don't think your spouse should say, you know, are you really praying the Jesus prayer while we're chatting right now? You know, and it's saying like, this actually heightens my attention. It's not like watching a football game over your girlfriend's shoulder, but it's, it's instead it's like th- this actually heightens my awareness of God and my awareness of you and my love of you. So the Jesus prayer, just for those of you who don't know, is, is just a short prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Many of the, the, those in our church would say you, you pray it along with your breathing. Um, so it, it, your breathing becomes a prayer. So it can definitely be, I don't think anybody would say that the Jesus prayer is, is, is only the main focus. Of course, you can pray the Jesus prayer as I'm just going to meditate on the words, but it can also become a prayer like breathing that is just happening while you're doing other things, mm-hmm. and and that can actually heighten heighten the the focus on those other things. But Amen. All right. Um, do you have a I, I I have one in mind, but do you have any part of the liturgy that maybe stuck out at you that you'd want to? No, this is your topic. Run with it. Banter about talk. Okay. Not banter. So the one that came you to said mind. pious meditation. That is not the same as banter. All right. I get it. I agree 100%. Um, so the one that came to mind uh, um, when I was just kind of before this podcast, just saying, which one should we do? Um, I, uh, I thought, what about we have seen the true light? So we, mm-hmm. you've just, we've just received the Eucharist. And I think that's a, the point here. And I, I, 
there, there's a, this is a, a prayer among others of thanksgiving. So the liturgy here is guiding us and teaching us how to, how to be thankful. It's teaching us how to say thank you for what we've received. So if you have your green book, sister, it's page 82. Got it. Um, or 83. Um, do you ever so sing, out of curiosity, do you ever sing the Tone 2 Bolhar on page 83 for that? Because that's my favorite. We do that here a lot. Um, no, I mean, I, I don't canter anymore because I'm Abuse. busy with other things, but, um, but the, uh, but I, I, my parish definitely, and my old parish definitely did version A. We have seen the true light we ever seen. I like the tone tubal hearts. Sing the other one, sister. Go ahead and sing, sing the other one and then, and then I'll say it and then we can reflect. Oh, the it. whole thing? Okay. Yeah, the other one that you like. <clears throat> We have seen the true light. We have received the heavenly spirit. We have found the true faith. And we worship the undivided Trinity. For the Trinity has saved us. Oh my God, I had so many thoughts just while you were singing that actually, like to totally develop what I'm, what I'm going to say in the future. But anyway, so the words are, we have seen the true light, we have received the heavenly spirit, we have found the true faith, and we worship the undivided Trinity for the Trinity has saved us. Again, this is, we've literally just received oh, I already, the Eucharist. I already have thoughts too. <laughs> go, I'm going to write mine down because I don't want to forget them, but you go. No, you, this Please. is your topic. Okay, I I just like <laughs> I I'm gonna be patient here. I was struck by hmm, I was struck by the order of things that it's seen, then received, then found, then worship, then saved. Um, hmm. And so I just like the the progression there of once we've seen it, we then receive it within us. We then realize that we've found it. Um, it, him, the faith, Jesus, mm-hmm. different subjects there. Is that right? Subjects? I don't know anything about English. Objects. I, yeah, I, I realize <laughs> grammatically it's objects, but it's weird to call Jesus an object. Okay, so yeah. we see, we see, <laughs> we, we then receive, we realize we've found, which moves us to worship, which is then the, the final stage is our salvation. The Trinity has saved us. Anyways, I just like that progression. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. And the, it's interesting too, we, we could develop that by saying, well, we, what have we seen? The true light. We have received the spirit. We have found the faith and we worship the undivided Trinity mm-hmm. for the Trinity has saved us. So there, 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 there might be a progression there. I would have to sit with it and, and, Maybe look at it in a more scholarly way. I also, I also um, want to swap what I said about the trans, about the um, progression because it's actually we worship the Trinity for the Trinity has saved us, which implies that the salvation is then the cause of the worship. So I want to switch ah, that progression of of the worship yep. is is the ultimate um, in response to the salvation. I, by the way, I have the cheater book here. I have the priest version and the priest version has end notes. I know. Do you remember so, that I, I made you? Why didn't you have me get the priest one instead of the people's? Because you're not a priest. You gave me one. <laughs> oh. <Did I>? Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell the business seminary press. You ordered one for me. Like, Is that actually not allowed? So, Nobody tell on us, please. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 a... It's a um, controversial thing. So it's not because words, I was like pretending to have divine liturgies. It's because I wanted to know all the right. references. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a, it's a controversial thing, especially with the book of the divine liturgy of St. Basil, because the liturgical commission, um, their intention by not putting all of the priestly prayers in the people's book was that people would just listen and would build up that the ability to pray just by listening mm. rather than reading. It's, it's oh, a very American actually, thing okay. to have to have all the yeah. words and to follow along by reading, but there's something beautiful. We have a new catechumen, by the way. Um, I asked everybody to pray for Matthew. Yeah. Matthew did become a catechumen on Sunday. God bless him. And, and Matthew is great because he's, he's brand new to the liturgy. And of course he's learning, but he loves just, and he, I didn't even tell him to do this. He just, I will see him during Vespers 
um, and he'll just be holding the book at his side. And it's, and I and I he said it's not out of like frustration or not being able to follow along because our liturgy is so complicated sometimes. But it's he actually he gets more out of just listening. Mm-hmm. To the prayers, you know, and he's going to, of course, learn them, but he's going to do it by listening. So one of the intentions of the liturgical commission for our Ruthenian church in the U.S. was to not put them in there so the people would grow in that ability just to listen and pray by listening, to learn by listening. Um, But then like the MCI puts out books that have every Mm -hmm. word of the the liturgy of Basil the Great in it because I think they knew that some people just wanted to read along or some priests mumble or or go too fast or whatever and they can't understand the words, you know, who knows. but so when I when I asked about that, I I think I forget who I asked. I don't want to throw them under the under the bus either. But I asked somebody and said, "Hey, I have a few parishioners that that just they're the exception. They probably would really struggle in listening, even though I I try to be clear as a priest. But they might struggle. Is there is there any way I could get get uh, what do I just tell them you're out of luck, or do I tell them you just need to learn to to listen better, or do I actually give them the text? And they said absolutely give them the text. Mm-hmm. Some people just pray better with the text. So they said, go ahead and have them buy one of the priest books mm-hmm. so they can follow along with that. But when they called the seminary press to get one, they're like, we're, you know, we don't do that. You know, you need to be a priest or a deacon or a bishop, of course, Awkward. to get these. So then I would just call mm-hmm. and be like, hey, I need four more for some odd reason. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd, they'd send them to me. Anyway, um, cheating the system. But it's, there's always something about exceptions. Um, I thought you were going to say so there's yes, always something but, about cheating the system. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so where do you think, and by the way, this is just, this is another spirit moment. That was not the prayer I intended a podcast about, but too oh. late now. I said it and we did it. Um, Were you thinking anyway, of the other one? Um, I was thinking of Mayor Mouse Mayor Mouse Field. Um, oh. Yep, exactly. But anyway, we, we, we can get another if we have time. But, um, but w- do you know, where do you think this is from? I have the, I have the end notes here. Do you, do you have any idea where this, because it comes from a feast, it comes mm. from one of the stichida of a feast. Um, oh, I even remember seeing this at the stichira. Um Is it Pentecost? Yeah, it is. And and you can see because we have seen the true light. Of course, Pentecost is the end of the season of light in a way. Oh yeah, uh, that's a secondary not where season I got it of light. From. Of I got course, it from we've received the heavenly spirit. <laughs> uh, no, that well, that well, that's it yeah. too. But um, the, uh, of course, the, the there is a season of light that happens in in uh, December, January because the world is so dark, and so we call it the season of light. And of course, Christmas, Theophany, Theophany, Revelation. That's of course a very big season of light in the church. But Theophany of course, so is, is the, um, the is January sixth for Byzantines and so it's the same day as what the Latin right calls epiphany um, but it's not the same feast it's not the wise men it's the baptism of of Jesus in the Jordan thank you that's very important because the 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 Theophany and the baptism of Christ is a great feast of revelation and light mm-hmm. because we what is revealed to us is the Trinity so the 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 light of knowledge about um, God the, in the one God, there's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's revealed in the baptism because, of course, the voice of God, the Father, the Spirit descends upon the Son like a dove, and then, of course, the Son. Um, so we have this, we have seen the true light. So it's a season, Easter, Pascha is a season of light because of baptisms. And, and it, it's between Pascha on Easter and Pentecost, there's a lot of baptisms in that time, but especially on those two feasts. So we have, we have seen the true light. Of course, the light is Christ. The light is God, um, but people are being enlightened. We, whenever a Byzantine kid or adult gets baptized, we call it the newly enlightened servant of God mm-hmm. because they've been enlightened by the faith and by God. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. We finish with receive the heavenly spirit. And then at the end for the Trinity has saved us. Um, the Pentecost is the feast of the Trinity. Um, Roman Catholics have uh, Latin Catholics um, have a have the Trinity Sunday after Pentecost um, to kind of reflect on the whole Trinity. But we just that same idea of having a feast for the Trinity is is Pentecost for us. Kind of the same idea if you're trying to compare the two. Um, yes, but what struck me is that, um, and again, this is part of a big part of our Byzantine tradition is awe. Just imagine. While you were singing it, this is one of the things I thought of. Imagine if someone in the Old Testament, just say Elijah or one of the prophets or King David, imagine if they could travel in time and and read this prayer. Like how, how many, 
how many mind-blowing gifts are there mm-hmm. in just in, in, in I mean, we're, we're, th- we're now thanking God because we just received the Eucharist, mm-hmm. of course, which is mind-blowing enough. Um, but there's just everything we have seen, the true light. So in the Old Testament, you, nobody saw God. I mean, that itself would have, first of all, killed you because, because the creator is so much other and bigger, just like if you touch the uh, Ark of the Covenant or or stand too close to the mountain. Every time, every God, time an angel, every time an angel appears to someone, you know, the first thing that they in, in the New Testament, the first thing they say is, "Don't be afraid." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, because yeah. you uh, totally understandably and understandable that you would be, because of course angels were the messengers and the manifestation in in, in some sense of God. Um, so we have received the heavenly spirit. So we have seen something that's absurd. We have received the heavenly spirit. This is the spirit of God of course, and now we've received the spirit of God. Um, we have found the true faith. Um, this is, you know, I guess that that wouldn't be too shocking because of course the chosen people, um, but faith of course is, is, a, is a development uh, or the concept of faith is a development. We worship the undivided Trinity. I mean, they're just in that the undivided Trinity, that's paradox, right? The Trinity is three and yet undivided. There's There's something paradoxical about there that we worship that's a, a further understanding of the faith and for the Trinity has saved us. In other words, they've been looking for a Messiah, right? A savior the whole time, the anointed one, um, the Christ, the Christos. So there's there's just so much there that in in one, as soon as we've received, the priest turns around and says, save your people, O God, and bless your inheritance. He blesses them with the Eucharist and that they've just received or that some have not received, hence the blessing. Um, and then you, and then you, we, we cry out. In other words, in this, this first exclamation, the next one I was gonna talk about is, is, a, is a continuance of that, but we cry out in this first exclamation, uh, a thank you that is, that is kind of trying to process all of the, the mind-blowingly good things that come with being a New Testament people and being, being receivers of the new covenant to be baptized Christians, et cetera. Beautiful. It's also it's also in a sense that we we always tie in Thanksgiving and praise in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, so the anamnesis, the remembrance, the um, we, we always begin our prayers, and much of our stichita are actually just kind of meditating upon meditating upon um, what God has done, and that always becomes Thanksgiving and praise. We're not just retelling a story. Um, by the way, I thought of something the other day about about using imagination in prayer. That, of course, is kind of a part of the debate between the East and the West. Mm-hmm. But there's the we in the East cannot too much criticize the use of imagination in prayer because that's what our stichita are. They're basically oh, true. like so many images and metaphors and yeah. Oh, that's a great and point. elaboration upon the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like, like in other words, for the writers of the stichita, they had to kind of put themselves in the scripture stories. But then our, our stichita all the time, our prayers all the time, um, put in the words of actors mm-hmm. and and characters in the scriptures that they did not say in the scriptures. So that's dangerous for us to do privately because it can lead us astray and the devil can be there. But obviously the the, the Holy Spirit was in that for for the writers of Stigheta. So we still need to be careful, of course, because the devil exists and is trying to influence our imagination. But that's definitely not verboten in the Byzantine tradition There's, because it happened all the time. That's a, I've never heard that word. What word? Verboten, is that what verboten. you said? Verboten, it's, oh yeah, it's, I think forbidden in German. Oh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the yeah, the whole the entire royal hours for oh, what is the um? What do we have royal hours for? Christmas, Christmas. It's Japanese. for nativity. It's for nativity. Okay. Um, the okay. royal hours at nativity. There's a whole conversation between Joseph and the angel about Mary being giving birth to the Son of God. Did I get that right? Mm. Do you remember? Is the, that at Royal Hours of Nativity? Oh gosh. <laughs> You're asking me to remember things again. Sister. Okay, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I shouldn't do it. I, I know I know I know in the icon, of course. In one of the in, in one of the royal hours this happens. It's there's a conversation between not not the devil. It, it's um between <laughs> it's an angel, not a fallen angel. Um between Gabriel sorry, and an angel <laughs> about the fact that Mary like in the royal hours, Joseph is um, royal hours. By the way, are services that we have twice a year, three times. It's nativity, theophany, and 
I'm just going to embarrass myself if I try to answer this. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to Okay, we're just go. going to keep going. <laughs> okay. It's either two or three times. It, but it, it was the times that the emperor... It's a service done on a vigil. Mm-hmm. And it's so the it, times it's, of the year that the, the emperor would come to the church. And so that's why it's called royal hours. So it was it was the liturgy of the hours that monks normally do at various times during the day. Mm-hmm. And they would combine all of the first, third, sixth, ninth... Uh, hours together so that the emperor could be there for all of them together. And it was done on a vigil where we're all of those liturgy of the hours are pushed together um, and done in one service. Mm-hmm. And it, that's only done a few times throughout the year and on the vigil of feasts, of great feasts. Yes. Yeah. It's two or three times, I don't remember. But the, so anyways, there's there's that whole thing of, of jo- there's Joseph and Angel are, have, and Angel are having a conversation because in the royal hours, Joseph is like, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. And then the angel's like, hey, chill out. It's okay. It's God. Um, I'm paraphrasing. But that's uh, that's absolutely an extrapolation. Um, so. Yeah, exactly. And that might be where that interest, I mean, I don't know the history of this, but that might be where the tradition, because I, I, I threw it out there and I want to explain it. In, in, our, in our Byzantine iconography of the, the nativity of our Lord, um, you see Joseph is not in the cave with Mary. He's down in the corner uh, chatting with an old man. Mm-hmm. And many people would say that old man is is a demon who's still trying to convince Joseph that Mary did not conceive by the Holy Spirit, but rather by another man. And so the the ongoing work of the devil to try to confuse and distract Joseph from the work of God. Mm-hmm. And so when you see him talking, some some other interpreters would say it's just a shepherd. He's talking with one of the shepherds, but but it's I, I believe the more authentic tradition is that that it's in the form of a shepherd because the guy looks like an old shepherd, but it's actually the devil still trying to trying to uh, hinder God's work in Joseph and the Holy Family's life. Yeah, full disclosure, yeah. I've heard from someone who is a good source on this, but still could be incorrect um, that that was a mistake and shouldn't have been added into the icon and it's actually really bad or something, but I don't know if I'm on board with that because it, so. Is that, is that. But that's up for So in other words, in, in the early icons that wasn't there, Joseph wasn't talking with the shepherd. And that's what, that's what he says is that it was added okay. in at a point and shouldn't have been. So it's not, it's not an interpretive mistake being made over time, but it's rather, and they actually added something into the icon. I think so, or maybe it was. Maybe it was an interpretive mistake. Maybe it was there, and yeah, yeah, I don't remember what it was. I just know that there's debate about this. Like, if that was interpreted, and that's what caused the royal hours to be written, and those are in, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, okay. um, but there might be. Yeah, some of that might not be correct. Is what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. It's interesting. Yeah, there's one I I want to share with you. But I'm going to share it off air. Okay. Um, and then we can talk about it next time if you want. Um, what well, something we've talked about before mm-hmm. that that somebody sent me an email correcting us. Um, anyway, um, which I, I didn't the correct the correction I get, and it seems to be pretty across the board. Anyway, we'll talk about it next okay. time. Um, yes. Can I say something else about we have seen the true light? Please. I I like that there is. I think it's kind of a, a microcosm of this balance that we have that we've talked about before in the liturgy between um, the mystery and the known kind of thing, mm-hmm. because we can we can see the light is is a very clear thing, but then to receive the heavenly spirit is is complete mystery and not something we can actually comprehend. And then it's followed by finding the true faith, which um, while while faith is, it's a virtue, it's a grace, it's something that we have to trust in, but it is more tangible than the following line, which is that we worship the undivided Trinity, which is something we absolutely can't comprehend. Um, the, the Trinity or the fact that the Trinity is undivided or the fact that, that somehow we as humans are made worthy to worship the Trinity. Um, so I just think that that's, that that's cool, that it's, there seems to be a balance between that which is understandable and that which is complete mystery. Another interesting thing I just saw is that um, 
this hymn, so if, if, if we're taking this correctly, that it is kind of a, I mean, a, a lot of the liturgy, of course, is about experience. Like one of my favorite lines in the Trinity from the liturgy, excuse me, is um, the, the deacon says, let us stand aright, let us stand in awe, let us be attentive to offer the holy anaphora and peace. And the people respond with an incomplete sentence, with, with a sentence that doesn't, it's not grammatically correct. Um, at least in our Ruthenian translation, mercy, peace, a sacrifice of praise. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why- You wanted to um, name the podcast that, didn't you? At first, something about mercy, oh. peace, a sacrifice of praise. Yeah, that was one of my initial thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because because there's so much in that phrase mm -hmm. um, that we could go on for years about. But um, basically, I won't do, we could do a whole podcast on it later on, but it, it, it's not a complete sentence. It's not, it doesn't have a, you know, the same normal sentence structure according to English grammar because it's supposed to be like a, a statement of, of a response that is, is not thought through. Mm. It's just an exclamation of joy. So when we hear the word anaphora, we're now, we're, that which could be translated offering or maybe even consecration, you know? So the consecration's coming up and, and we're responding with so much joy that we can't really even put a complete sentence together. So this is a very, uh, of a phrase of, of experience. This is how we experience, so the conversation, the liturgy is happening and we experience this in this way. Um, we have seen the true light is kind of the same thing in that we have just received. And, and of course, how many times in the Old Testament, especially do you see all these canticles, right? These canticles were in the Old Testament usually come after some great gift of God. So God, God brings Moses and the Israelites through the Red Sea, you know, conquers Pharaoh and, and drowns them all in the sea. And then there's this this canticle that happens, this song of praise. Um, same thing with Noah, you know. So there's there's these Hannah. amazing life saving things that God does. Um, right, exactly. These life saving things that God does, and then the people respond with a canticle of praise and prayer and thanksgiving that reflects upon the event that just happened. Mm. And so, if we see this as kind of one of those things, we've just received the Eucharist. We we have death has been conquered. Like we should die because it's the Adam and Eve. Because of Christ's work, death has been conquered. So these 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 prayers that happen immediately after reception of the Eucharist could be seen as kind of an Old Testament style canticle of praise to being just our life being saved when, it should, when we should have died. Um, and sister, what, what do we, what do we replace that with? I was just about Even to bring that up. There's a lack of eloquence. Oh, we read each other's mind too much. Like what we, we what, when, when we lack, so there's this kind of paradox filled, we're trying to explain the form of our thanksgiving. We're trying to be thankful in words, but kind of the gift we've received, we are ineloquent about. So words have been given to us to use, but they're not adequate. So, um, but during Pascha, mm -hmm. we don't say we have seen the true faith, uh, true light, excuse me, but we replace it with the- The Christ is risen. Christ is risen from the just, dead. By death, he trampled death. And to those in the tombs, he granted life. Right, which could very much be seen as a just have memorize this prayer, memorize this Traparian, the Christ is risen, because you can use it anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I preached this to the kids one time in Denver. You know, what what is our response to the good and the bad? Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen from the dead. Yeah. You know, Christ is risen can become the uh, our, our our prayer and our statement and our reaction to anything that happens because it kind of trumps every other experience and the fact that Christ is risen has has brought a a eternal reality a supernatural reality into our time and space in a way that 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 nothing else matters mm -hmm. you know it's like imagine like a parent looking at a child and they then they they look at their their first child for the first time after the child's born and they say nothing else matters. You know, imagine somebody uh, uh, proposing, a, um, a man proposing to a woman and like, and he's saying like, it doesn't, the world can go to pot, right? I just want to marry you. Like everything else could fall apart. And this is, this affects everything. If you say yes, this affects everything. A new baby, like this, this is going to affect the rest of my life. Everything I do is going to be, is going to be for this child from here on out or for the future children or, or for my spouse or, you know, we celibates would say just we have, we literally lose everything. We will give up every human luxury. We'll give up everything the world has to offer because Jesus is all. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's all of these things. And so nothing else in the world. And Lord, you could take everything from me, my health, my family, my, 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 the things I love best. You could take everything from me and I will still be perfectly happy and joyful 
because I, I am so focused on you, Christ. And so, so when we have this response to receiving the Eucharist, then the Christ is risen can be a statement of an eloquence like holy, holy, holy is, but in it can replace other thanksgivings because it, it is everything. Mm. Yeah. And the, the other one that you were about to mention is also uh, replaced, isn't that also replaced by Christ is risen just during bright week though? Not all of Pascha. I think you're correct. Yeah. Yes, just during bright week. So, Which bright week for non-Byzantines is, is the week after Easter, mm-hmm. the week after Pascha. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That was super All right. fun. Anything else on that previous one or? No, I don't think so. That's, that's nice that I like the way that you describe our prayer during liturgy. Cause one of our, one of our Latin priest friends who likes to kind of rib us, um, describes it as a cacophony of noise, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's nicer to say. I, I do though, just to, to point out briefly, because again, another episode. One of my favorite services of the year, I think probably my fourth or fifth favorite service of the year is the the Divine Liturgy of the Pre-Sanctified Gifts, shortly, in short, known as Pre-Sanctified. And this is the liturgy that we have on weekdays during the Great Fast, when we have it on the weekdays. It's most typically Wednesday and Friday, but occasionally it's on a Monday as well. And it's during, during the great fast, we also fast from the consecration of the Eucharist during the week, but the church in her wisdom knows that we need the Eucharist to sustain us through the fast. So we have the, the priest will consecrate extra Eucharist on Sunday. And then that's distributed at this specific liturgy, the liturgy of pre-sanctified gifts during the week on again, usually Wednesdays and Fridays, but occasionally a Monday. Actually, a couple Tuesdays and as well. And one Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Is it a couple? Oh, you're right. Because I think the yeah, first week as well Tuesdays. and the, yeah. yeah. So clean, clean week, week and holy week. So, but at that liturgy, did you just spill something? I just spilled my LaCroix all over my desk. Maybe Jesus is telling you to so not drink burp-inducing drinks during the podcast. <laughs> so I've actually I've actually already burped a couple of times during the podcast. I thought you were going to call me out on it, but you didn't because you love me a lot. So didn't even yeah, you didn't notice. I just called myself on it because I'm too <laughs> scrupulous. So the I need a squirrel name because I have a lot of the squirrel you moments. You can't use Perlo, that's mine. I know, Perlo's yours. So <laughs> the but during the liturgy of the pre-sanctified gifts, this is the difference. I can remember exactly where I left off. During the liturgy of the pre-sanctified gifts. Oh, I love you a lot. I'm so sorry. I'm not actually sorry. Twist that knife. Oh. Twist that knife. There is a moment in the during the liturgy of the pre-sanctified gifts when the priest makes an entrance that he makes during the divine liturgy as well. But this time when he makes the entrance, the pre-sanctified basically is, by the way, Vespers, evening prayer with the Eucharist. But it's so much more beautiful than that sounds. And so when the priest makes this entrance, it's the only time, to my knowledge, that the priest, other than distributing, comes out of the sanctuary with the gifts, or at least makes an entrance with them, I should say. It's the only time that he makes an entrance with the gifts after they are the body and blood of Christ. So usually during the divine liturgy, it's just bread and wine at that point because the anaphora hasn't happened. So because of that, at that point, all of the people are prostrating um, with heads on the ground, knees, maybe legs fully extended, but prostrating on the ground. And we're just listening to the priest walk around the chapel back into the sanctuary. And it's complete silence. And I, I love that so much. It's the only moment that I can think of that we have silence in the liturgy, um, a very intentional silence. And it's, it's just beautiful. And I don't think I would appreciate the stark contrast of it as much if we had silence frequently in the liturgy. And so I, um, I just really like that moment a lot in the pre-sanctified. As you, because all you can hear, you can hear the, um, the chains of the incense because you're holding the cadilla as well, correct? Or, or someone, an altar server in front of you. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's actually swinging it if you have one or and, a deacon swinging it to incense the gifts, yeah. Oh yeah, like they're walking backwards and incensing the yep, gifts in front exactly. of you. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so you can hear the cadillo, cadilla, cadillo. Oh or uh? 
Okay. <laughs> and you can hear the like Sorry, I, I shrugged. I wasn't ignoring the, her. I was like, I, I don't know. The, the, it's Greek. You can hear the swish of the priest vestments. And that's all you hear is is the swinging of the incense and the swish of the vestments. And it reminds me of um, the woman who reaches out to touch the the hem of of Jesus's mm-hmm. garment and things like that. But it's just Oh, it's just this this beautiful, beautiful moment of intentional silence. And and we, by the way, I, I, I like that because we we don't. There's no silence in the liturgy for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Namely, it's it's a it's a corporate ritual act that is very public and corporate. So, in other words, there's there's a conversation with God happening here. Um, silence is a more in the Byzantine mindset is a more reflective thing. Mm-hmm. So there should be a lot of silence in our lives, but generally done privately. Because you know, and, and you you can do it with your family, but the word the uh, word liturgy liturgia doesn't it mean a communal work? Yeah, so it's it's an action mm-hmm. is exactly, and it's an action by the people, mm-hmm. and so so liturgy is is always corporate. You know, like, like if uh, there's a lot of times when the people are praying, um, some singing something and the priest is praying something else silently. And when I was first ordained, I mean, the people are praying out loud and the priest is praying to himself other prayers that are in the book. And I remember thinking like, I'm missing out on these other prayers. And I thought, well, it really doesn't matter that I'm missing out on them because they're being said. And mm-hmm. I, I'm part of the worship experience here. So say for instance, if you do something weird like going out and smoking a cigarette, you know, the, 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 the people are still, <laughs> the people are still in there praying. Don't do that again. Not condoning it, um, but 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 there is like if my if I'm distracted by my kid, let's use a better example. If I'm distracted by my kid taking my kid to the bathroom. Whatever I'm distracted doing, distracted by my the, kid the, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> same thing. The, the corporate liturgy is still going on, and and we're with one voice. So the the place of silence of the Byzantine mindset is done for reflection more privately. Whether mm-hmm. it's before liturgy, after liturgy, when you're at home, your icon corner, whatever it is. Um, but uh, so that 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 cacophony of sound is is a is because it's it's a corporate a corporate act, and so that's a good thing in itself. But there is also the, that 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 good in itself can lend to the um, the gravitas and the intense experience when the silence is there. Mm-hmm. That's not meant to be a time of private reflection, but rather it is so different than other times in liturgy that that it 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 evokes. Um, the the sensory experience of kind of being startled by the silence and 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 with, which kind of focuses our mind and say this is a different this is a different liturgical act and that there's something to it's like it's like let us be attentive you know we 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 did you just burp yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> you you smile when you did it so like uh Perla um so that there, there's a, but it it evokes a different spiritual act so that I can say there's something different going on here so my mind kind of refocuses on the moment and of course that moment is our Lord being being walked around among us mm. in in that entrance like you said yeah I think that's a good stopping point. All right, sister, any prayer intentions? You're supposed to start because it was your topic. That's what you made me do. Is this how we work? Okay. Um, I am going to ask people to pray for um, a very important meeting I have that starts today. Um, And uh, I I can't say too much about it, but a a very important meeting uh, that starts today about uh, just about um, our parish here in L.A., and uh, and I'm meeting with the our advisory board soon and getting some prerequisite stuff done, um, so I can meet with them. And uh, it's really good and beautiful and so very hopeful. And um, and the spirit's going to be working. But um, the corporate prayer of the people. And I know this will come out after the meeting, but um, but we believe in retroactive prayer transcends prayers. time. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm um, just pray. And and it's it's just it's something I'm so excited about. My parish here is beautiful, and the potential here is beautiful. And we're just kind of taking advantage of the potential we have, and and making sure that we we serve our people to the best of our ability. So it's a very exciting meeting. But I know I I tend to not pray for exciting meetings and only pray for stressful ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to get in the habit of saying I need to pray before exciting meetings as well as as well as praying for for um, stressful ones. So that's what's on my mind. And if you could join me in that, that'd be awesome. Cool. I have two prayer intentions that I just thought of, and they are both having to do with our monastery. So we are just kind of starting the process for doing some chapel renovations, and we're very excited about that. I'm 
we've been meeting with the architect and all of that. And the renovations are just, yeah, we're going back to some, some Eastern traditions and things like that. And it's going to be really beautiful, but please pray for us as we go through the chapel renovations and grant wisdom and prudence and all of that to everyone, please Lord. And, and donors when we need them. And, but we have a good starting fund for it. Um, and then the other thing is we've had quite a few women recently reach out wanting to discern with us. So, and like really beautiful women who mothers had great joy in talking with. And if you could please pray for them and their discernment and our discernment as well, because it's a discernment process on both ends. And the wisdom and the prudence and also just grant everyone a desire to do his will would be my prayer because like we don't want women here if it's not God's will for them to be here because they'll be unhappy and we'll be unhappy and all of that. So um, yeah, God's will be done. Uh, Audience of one, do you have a prayer intention, Natalia? Um, my best friend Anna is about to have a baby, and I'm the godmother, and I just want to pray for nice. a safe and blessed birth. Amen. Love it. Natalia might be on our next episode, and I really hope she is because she's got an awesome radio voice. I was just thinking that while she was talking. I agree. I mean, also, she's got some beautiful insights, and so I'm excited for that. But like a really good radio voice. We're going to give you a script, Natalia, so you just just <laughs> use your beautiful voice, but we don't care about your brain. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. All right. Um, okay. May the Lord bless you all, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord grant you the grace to be assured of the effectiveness of your prayers. May our Lord grant you the grace to reflect upon the parts of the liturgy that he is guiding you to reflect upon. May you pray the entire liturgy with authenticity, with sincerity, and receive the graces and the thanksgivings and the presence of our Lord that is there. But may you also have moments, if our Lord guides you in them, of reflecting upon specific prayers that he may feed you and educate you and continue to help you grow through that meditation in union with him and therefore move towards your salvation. May our Lord grant you a good week, this week that is restful and free of any attacks of the devil or if those attacks are somehow allowed by our Lord that he may give you strength to to combat them through the intercession of St. Michael the Archangel, but also through the presence of God. May our Lord bless you and your families and your loved ones and all those he's called you to minister to in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Right, love you, sister. Love you too. Good to see you.